<laughs> Episode 27, back via popular or unpopular demand. We just decided to do it again, in all honesty. That's it. HNC History with Hutchin and Hasty. Back at you. We've not, <laughs> we've not done one of these for quite a while. Uh, Spanish flu? I think that was the last one. We planned to do one after, but then life got in the way. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, life's not in the way just now. No, no. So or it's decided, less uh, in the way. So, yeah, you sent me some options, and uh, I looked up this one and was quite, well, curious about it to begin with. Wasn't I? I was just like, yeah, that one sounds like really interesting. We'll go for it, my friend. What are we talking about? We're going to be talking about the Watergate scandal. So... This was one because, like, like you said, we were ch- we have a podcast chat, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I sent three options, not like an ultimatum or anything. Just, yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> you were like, look up historical events, give me some options, and we'll choose one. And I was like, okay, cool. This is how you know diplomacy works, and that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was World War Two, mm-hmm. this one, and there's someone else as well. There was another one. I'll check. Was it, it Wall Street? It was it was Wall Street. That it was what Wall it was. Street. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Hasty was like, "Let's go Watergate." Nixon was crazy, and I'm like, "Right, okay." And then I found like a five part documentary series that I watched, and Hasty's went and done other research because this is this is good that we kind of do our own thing, right? Because it means yeah. we see things that the other person wouldn't have seen. Well, exactly. And in you, you also get research. little bits of snippets and other people's kind of views, don't you? Yeah, and it's all about a learning environment, right? That's it, that's it. The more you know. You know, <laughs> so, so. You know we're just the top podcast that helps people learn. Not really, we're all but... sponges. We need fed. So. <laughs> you need your thirst for knowledge. cannot that's be it. quenched. But, uh, so yeah, I was kind of thinking, hmm, I'll see how this one goes. Because, like... With the UFO one and, like, Spanish flu, I was really, really invested in it. Like, I, I had to watch something or read yeah. something about it, like, every day when I came home and that. This one, I was like, hmm. And then when I started watching it, I was quite instantly hooked. Yeah. And I think it was good that they kind of broke it down into, like, five 45-minute episodes or whatever. It was on the BBC. It's called Watergate. It's on, you know, catch-up and that if you want to watch it yourselves. It's from the 90s, actually, but it's somehow still on BBC4, but... Hey, yeah, Watergate was a long time ago. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Right. Anyway, so if you tell us what the Watergate scandal is in like a summary, yeah, kind of dive into it. So, um, the Watergate scandal was a major political scandal in the United States involving the administration of the U.S. President Richard Nixon from 1972 to 1974, that led to Nixon's resignation. The scandal stemmed from the Nixon administration's continual attempts to cover up its involvement in the June 17, 1972 break-in of the Democratic National Committee headquarters at the Washington, Washington, (laughs) D.C. Watergate office building. So, the only, like, time that I'd ever heard about Watergate, right, I never proper investigated what it was. Yeah. Or looked up or researched, whatever you want to call it. The only time that I'd ever came across it was I was watching Forrest Gump. All right. It's in Forrest Gump, right? You know how, like, in Forrest Gump, that. he's, like, always in places of world historical events happening? Like, he's yeah. there where someone gets, is it, like, one of the presidents gets shot and he's there. Yeah. All this kind of stuff to, like, add a bit of comedic value to the film that, you know, Forrest always in there. But there's a bit where he's, like, kind of phoning the police and there's, like, lights in a building People like searching offices and that, and he's like, "I don't think they're meant to be up here and that." And um, the person I was watching with, do you know what that's about? And I was like, "No." I was like, "Oh, Watergate." And I was like, "Oh yeah, of course." And I was like, 
no idea. What the hell is Watergate? <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, so, but what I've kind of overall kind of gained from um, this, this was mental, right? And, you know, one of the notes I have down here, but it's more of a statement than I know, is it was like the biggest political scandal in American history. And that probably remains true mm. to this day, even though we've had the Trump years and the impeachment and the Capitol building stuff and all that that's happened yeah. this year. This is still like off the chain kind of, wow, like this is crazy. He changed the ball game. Yeah. Like this was literally someone trying to be a dictator, you know? Um, literally. And trying to be sly about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the cover up kind of speaks for yeah. itself, right? Yeah. Wow. But um, so, well, we'll give you a bit of origin story of how, how this came about. So in 1970, so when Nixon was kind of still new in office, Nixon pledged to end the Vietnam War. Now, the Vietnam War was obviously something that was very controversial in America. It divided a lot of opinion, right? There was the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, Muhammad Ali refused to go. Remember, there was a lot of kind of stuff about that. Um, the anti-war movement, which is also in Forrest Gump, funnily enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, people on the... What do they call it? Not the, was it the War Memorial? No. What's the... You know the place in Washington with, like, the massive thing of water? With the big... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Washington Monument. I think that's thing. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Okay, we're not from America, so we're sorry. If any of our listeners are uh, listening, please inform us of what the correct thing is. If we've totally butchered that, but uh, (laughs) apologies in advance. We do apologize. Uh, But then he escalated the war further, right? So, who was at the start of the Vietnam War? Was it Kennedy, or was it Eisenhower? Because it was early sixties, right? Yeah. Uh, and obviously, like we said, the the thing back then there was still drafts in that, so it wasn't like, oh, you're in the army, so you're going to go fight this war. It's like you know the army's coming to choose you to serve the country and stuff like that. Uh, it was it was Eisenhower. So it was Eisenhower that entered the war, and that kind of is appropriate in the sense of he was a war general, right? So kind of makes sense. Not appropriate. That was a lot <laughs> of the wrong choice of word probably for me, but you know. If anyone was going to do it, probably would be someone that's a war general, right? Without a doubt, yeah. Yeah. He he, he would see tactical advantage and he would see, like, the point of doing it. Because, like, it was all about... It was a kind of... It was a confrontation of capitalism, communism, right? There were a lot of proxy wars. Like, America had Vietnam. There was the Korean War. Yeah. And then, like, Russia invaded Afghanistan, America... Uh, funded the Mujahideen and then obviously America ended up in Afghanistan and Britain ended up in... Uh, yeah, yeah but, um, so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but it was all to do with Russia was like funding the Viet Cong and stuff like that. Right. We were funding the Mujahideen so it was like we were kind of fighting but we weren't actually doing Yeah, because it was like let's get some other people to fight them because <laughs> it's not <laughs> as serious then yeah, in terms we'll of the, the global it. scale because there's not... There's only one nuclear nation involved and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so uh, Nixon pledged to end the Vietnam War, but then escalated it further, leading to mass protests. This would be the anti-war movement that we were just referencing. And uh, so one of the big incidents that happened, because they were kind of, I don't know if they got into the White House Garden or that, Mm. but it was getting pretty hostile, I would say, like the protests and that from what I was seeing. Um, So yeah, the National Guard shoots four protesters dead. Oh, wow. And I, I don't know, like, the kind of story behind that, if, like, the people were armed or... 
if it was just like get off the White House grounds and they're like no and then it yeah. was like well okay bang 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 I don't yeah. know if that's how it went down or whatever but obviously that's never good right when like well, it's not good, the no. state has took out its own people for trying to protest something so Nixon feared for his re-election campaign at this point which you would right like if you think of the right, stuff that so. happened last year in America when like the election year and then you know all the stuff can happen over the George, George Floyd stuff and that and then the protests and then how like Trump reacted to that that obviously massively and obviously his response to coronavirus as well but that obviously massively affected his kind of popularity even within his own kind of supporters obviously like you have the diehard supporters that are never going to turn and stuff a lot and just kind of believe that their side's right in that but people that like maybe voted for him in 2016 were like you know what i mean yeah that's why like biden ended up winning the election with like the most votes i think a electee has ever had or something like that all oh, right okay um nixon uh so nixon wanted to basically take out the competition Right, yeah. Like he didn't. He feared for his re-election campaign, but he was like, "Well, I have all the power, so I can rectify all this to keep me in power." Right, which yeah. is quite a narcissistic a point bit, of view. Well, but extremely. I suppose he's kind of right in the way because, like, the president of the United States probably still to this day, but at the time, at the very least, is like the most powerful person probably on the globe. Right, in terms of the infrastructure it controls, the intelligence agencies, the military. The law mm. enforcement, like it's a massive, massive infrastructure of yes, law enforcement, law and order, whatever you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Nixon passes a secret executive order giving intelligence ag uh, agencies um to spy on Americans, which breaks the law. So you think of the FBI, the CIA, and the DFA. I don't know what that stands for, but that was one of the ones that they mentioned in the, the documentary series about it. All right. The defense something i would imagine uh so obviously like this was like late 60s early 70s so this is like kind of where a new technology of electronic obviously like the surveillance is nothing compared to today's world yeah but at the time it was quite groundbreaking in the <clears throat> sense of wait we can have like recordings of what people are saying in private and they won't know about it and stuff yeah to use as evidence and this is not just how they done this but it's also what, like, these uh, intelligence organizations and law enforcement and stuff were using to, like, catch them all about and all this mm. kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It was new technology that was being used to, um, not was it break ground or cover ground that they'd never been able to cover before. Well, they'd never been able yeah. to, like, pierce that force field of being able to have this kind of evidence before, right? So it changed exactly. the game in a lot of senses. Yeah. Uh, uh, instruction from Nixon to dig up the dirt on the Kennedys and other Nixon enemies. So, like we said, Nixon was a. Well, we should put this into context. Nixon was a part of the Republican Party. So, there's two parties in America, right? Well, there's more than two, but there's only two that really kind of have the power in the sense. There's independents. There's the Democrat Party, which are currently in power in America just now, yeah. and there's the Republican Party. So that was the party that Trump was a part of, but he wasn't even really a Republican. He just kind of ran under that banner. But you know what I mean? It's like, so to give some context, Barack Obama was a Democrat. George W. Bush was a Republican. Mm -hmm. See? So quite polarizing opinions, the right and the left, if people will, of the political spectrum and all that kind of stuff, yeah. right? So Nixon was a Republican. His competitors are the Democrat Party. So he wanted to kind of take them out by using this technology to 
give himself the high ground in every way, shape, or form, right. and the advantage to win re-election and stuff oh, like it's that. It's also keep him ahead of the game, let him know what's coming. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, insider info. And obviously the Kennedys were part of the, the Democrat Party, and, you know, obviously JFK had been assassinated at this point. I think that was 63. I think we actually talked about this a couple of episodes ago. Um, but so I've actually got a little bit on here where it says the um, a forceful presidential campaign therefore seemed essential to the president and some of his key advisors. Their aggressive tactics included what turned out to be illegal espionage. <laughs> and that's actually stated on the, um, you know, the official history. history it's crazy, place. like, someone will just start off as, well, we need to be assertive here. And it's like, yeah. let's just break all the laws. Yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> whatever, the president. Keeps, whatever keeps us here, we're doing Boris, you might be related to this guy, eh? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like, when I was watching this, like, obviously we were talking about Boris and that in the last episode. Yeah. But this is, like, crazy, right? Like, obviously I think Boris and that just kind of know the position that they're in and, like, well, yeah. no one's going to do anything about it anyway, so we can just be comfortable with doing it. And we can just say we're not doing it, but it doesn't matter if we are or we're not. Yeah, like even if people think we're doing it, like <laughs> we still win. Do you know what I mean? So, always win. Yeah, that's a strange one. But this was like crazy in the sense of this went deep, 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 deep. Like when you're someone's gonna clip that up, aren't they? <laughs> I just realized how many times I said deep there. Yeah, deep, um, deep. Uh, yeah, it's just like a clip of me going deep, 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 deep. Um. So yeah, they, like he was using. Powerful entities in like the CIA and the FBI to try and aid this, or was at least trying to anyway, or taking yeah. certain people that were on board with doing, you know, these kind of operations and activities and stuff Undercover like that. Undercover operations. Yeah, no, but it literally was that, right? <laughs> it like, was. The documentary kind of described it as he was building his own kind of secret police force, and it's kind of hard to argue that that's what he wow. wasn't doing, you know? Well, when you hear about what he actually done, and I mean... To go on more of what what I briefly said a minute ago, um, it's like obviously when you said they were trying to wiretap mm-hmm. um, within the the um, within the actual building, the the, the oh, blah, 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 my gosh, in the National Committee's Watergate headquarters, obviously where they tried to like put the wiretap, the wiretap actually like failed to work properly. However, so on June seventeenth, a group of five burglars returned to the Watergate building. They so that they went back. Well, according to the, the history, they went back twice. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, as the prowlers were preparing to break into the office with a new microphone, a security guard noticed someone had taped over several... Oh, over yeah, the yeah, I've seen this locks. in the documentary, yeah. Um, the guard called the police, who arrived just in time to catch them red-handed, which is what we were briefly speaking about outside, saying they actually got caught red-handed. <laughs> so yeah, because like, it's quite practical, that, in the sense of... You don't have probably lock picking equipment or what there is now in terms of like someone with like a safe cracker and stuff like that. Well, yeah, but like exactly. obviously, like if you put the tape over the kind of lock to the door, it's not going to lock, but it's going to look like it's shut kind of idea. So mm-hmm. it, for that era, it like makes sense. It's obviously not the most foolproof because it got them rumbled and well, everything. Well, but exactly, like, yeah. Um, uh, so just to kind of bring it up the Kennedys again, Ken, obviously JFK had been assassinated at this point so it doesn't really cover him but like the Kennedys were a family it wasn't just John F. Kennedy and his dad there was uh, Robert Kennedy mm-hmm. uh, who was the gen- general attorney for um, the John F. Kennedy administration which we talked about in mob stories well me and Jamie talked about in mob stories uh, to do with Jimmy Hoffa and that and then there was Edward Kennedy which was the main one that he was I think he might have been thinking about running for president in the next election at the time 
and there had been an incident because like the Kennedys were kind of celebrities as well. Yeah. In the sense of like, you know, they're always not all of them, but like you know, John F. Kennedy was linked with Marilyn Monroe, and uh, there Nixon wanted to find out there was a incident with Edward Kennedy, where he had uh, been involved in a car crash or something. And the female passenger with him died or something, and uh, there was something a bit iffy about how that had all happened and that, and he wanted to, like, dig up this dirt, if there was any to dig up, to, like, hold against him in terms of to discredit him as, like, a Potential candidate. Yeah, exactly. So, next note we have is the Pentagon Papers, right? So this was another thing that kind of was getting Nixon, like, right, we really need to shut all this down and just basically stop anyone from knowing anything bad about this administration so that we can yeah. just stay in power forever. But, um, the Pentagon Papers was like a bunch of leaks. But obviously it was in paper format. It wasn't like they were sending emails and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, which was kind of headed largely by a guy called Daniel Ellsberg. He was, I wouldn't say that he was the head of it, but he was like a massive anti-Nixon guy and was kind of leaking all this stuff about the Nixon administration, so the Vietnam War mm-hmm. stuff... Um, you know, just stuff that was going on in general in terms of corruption and all that. Yeah. Uh, or alleged corruption. Kind of what he was thinking of doing to them, but legally, you know? <laughs> like, um, So they were getting dirt on him and exposing it, but, you know, he was doing not uh, appropriate things that a leader of a nation should be doing. So that's well, what they were, yeah. Well, yeah. He was going back on promises, right? So there was, you know, the Vietnam thing's the biggest one. Yeah, Because yeah, he was campaigning on, we're going to end this war because there were a lot of people that wanted it to end because they didn't un- understand it. Mm-hmm. Kind of very similar to how the Iraq war was kind of protested when it first happened, the second well, one, I should say, yeah, uh, in 2003. It's kind of like the, not the original version, that, I don't want to make it sound like it's some kind of like series, but... It was like that kind of. It was that kind of scenario. Yeah. Um. So this Daniel Ellsberg guy was someone that would like speak out about this. They would leak stuff. There'd be all these transcripts and that. The papers would be all over it because it was like the biggest form of media at the time, which it still is. But well, it was yeah, literally exactly. just papers at the time. There wasn't it like was, articles yeah. on the internet and all that. Uh. So basically, Nixon was right. That Ellsberg guy we got to deal with him in some way or form because he's making us look bad. So he had been, or there was like uh, a trail that suggested that he had been to a psychiatrist, which is obviously none of our business because, like, you know, your right to confidentiality yeah. and that and whatever he was talking about there. But So he started, like, a smear campaign against this guy. And he wanted to steal Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatric records to use against him to discredit him and stuff like that again because obviously he could have been struggling at the time you, you don't know what's on there it's not for us to speculate but yeah. obviously he wanted to gain access to that to then obviously obviously he's not going to go and address the nation and go by the way daniel ellsberg i've broken into your psychiatric <laughs> office and took your records and i'm about to read them out now but he was going to obviously probably filter that through like leak it to the media and all this yeah. kind of stuff you know which was quite despicable really in the end like it's not it's not the same of outing corruption and taking someone's private medical records and well, going well look at what's here yeah he's gonna cause someone to lose their job you know yeah like you lost someone's file oh no oh no and it's just Get like out. breach of someone's rights oh right? yeah without like, a doubt i mean there's that, a difference that that's private information yeah 
Like there, there's a difference in rights when it comes to certain scenarios in terms of well, if, if you're, you're very, very campaigning on ending a war and then you end up investing more in it. <laughs> well, yeah. That's kind of lies and that should be exposed, right? Because you're lying to the people that you campaigned to get you there. Yeah. Whereas, whatever reason Daniel Ellsberg was going to the psychiatrist, not probably relevant to the situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I get that. I agree. I agree. So... Let's talk about some of the... Because this operation happened where they went into... The, I I don't think they ended up getting the psychiatric notes. I think like there was a door locked or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they had assembled... Like Nixon's own private kind of task force, if you will, right? They've got people... Some people former FBI, some people's CIA, all this kind of stuff. But one of the main ones that keeps getting mentioned is Gordon Liddy, who I've mentioned to you just before we came on. You kind of pulled up a profile of him. Yeah, yeah. So... Do you want to go over that profile? Yeah, I'll bring up the Liddy profile. That's not a problem. Um, so, George Gordon Battle Liddy, um, born November 30th, 1930, and died March 30th, 2021. So, this year, sadly. Oh. Um, was an American lawyer, FBI agent, talk show host, actor, and figure in the Watergate scandal as the chief operative in the White House Plumbers Unit during the Nixon administration. Liddy was convicted of conspiracy, burglary, and illegal wiretapping for his role in the scandal. So he was uh, quite a bad man. Well, he's in the documentary, right? Because like I said, the documentary series I watched is from the 90s. So they're mm-hmm. getting... Even Nixon's in the documentary. He's It's an interview. They use an interview because Nixon died in 93 or 94. Yeah. But he'd been interviewed by a guy called David Frost in 77. So a few years had passed since he'd resigned and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, which is quite crazy to think that, like, he just ended up doing, like, a talk show world tour about it rather than, you know, suffer any consequences. But anyway, um, uh, Gordon Liddy comes across as quite a quite a, a, a military brain and very irrational thinking I was going to say that because it does actually say that working alongside E. Ed, e. Howard Hunt, um, Liddy organized and directed the burglary of the Democratic National Committee mm-hmm. headquarters. And so, he I mean, he organized and directed that, so he was commander-in-chief. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> so he was also the head of the operation to get these psychiatric uh, notes. And there's, a th- I, think, I think it's Anderson, the, the guy that I mentioned with the column. Yeah, Jack Anderson, who's another anti-Nixon guy. And he wrote about a column about Nixon, basically bringing up all the shortcomings as a yeah. president and all the kind of stuff that he'd went back on and all this kind of stuff. That was bringing more attention to him as well, because as soon as you mm. kind of started talking bad about Nixon, then Nixon got interested in you, and then that's how you <laughs> get your psychiatric yeah. notes stolen. That's what but, happens. Um, apparently, there were oh, m- you had terrible two-year-olds, yeah. huh? <laughs> I'm gonna tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's a there's a guy called I think it's Jeb. I can't remember his name. I think it's like Jeb Mardo or something like that. You can maybe look this up while I'm uh, talking about this. Um, but he was one of Nixon's assistants or associates or something like that, and he was saying, Gordon Liddy was in the office, and this guy was saying, oh, you know, he was complaining about Anderson, the Jack Anderson, the columnist that was making these columns about Nixon and kind of, you know, talking about the leaks and all of Nixon's kind of bad points of being a president and that, which I suppose there was quite a lot, considering he turned out to be, like, quite dictatorish, you know? But um, Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he made an off the cuff remark saying, "You know, if only we could get rid of that Anderson guy, 
And then apparently, like, Gordon Liddy was, like, marching out of the office saying, well, I've got a hit to go take out Anderson to that. They were like, wait, 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 whoa. And the guy was like, that's just, like, an off-the-cuff remark. So I was like, yeah, like, that that was, that was you know, a proper hitman there, you know. Because uh, there was. This was, um, it obviously, I pulled it up quickly. Um, the Nixon plot against newspaper column, columnist, columnist, um, is detailed. So a new book provides details about an extraordinary campaign by former President Richard Nixon and his top aides to smear, discredit, and possibly even murder newspaper columnist Jack Anderson. I mean, how mental is that? That's that's absolutely mental because it even says that he, I, he, Mr. Anderson testifies before government in, um, before a government information subcommittee in the in the 1972. Well, oh yeah, he'll be part. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that that's that's crazy. So yeah. all because he kind of was like doing his job, yes. essentially. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, if uh, Nixon wasn't being so corrupt and sly, he would have been all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. I mean, like, I guess our kind of equivalent to that in current times is that Boris like texted a guy that they were going to beat up a journalist or something. Yeah. Did you ever see that? I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Did you see him when like? There was a thing that happened. I know we're going a bit off topic, but this is what we always do. So just get used and it's to it. Boris, I mean, yeah, we, we love we love having a moan. So there was uh, a BBC journalist. I think there was like an anti-vax protest or something. I'm not too sure what it was, but they were getting in this BBC. You know, like the media is the enemy and that in these people's mind. And I obviously like have questions about the media as well, but I'm not like saying that every single thing that comes out their mouth lies, like some people believe. Well, yeah. Um, whereas. Like, these people obviously are kind of in this indoctrination state of, like, you know, the media's the enemy and all that kind of stuff. They're all not human. They're all lizards and (laughs) the like. So, like, they were, like, running up to this BBC journalist who was just going about his day and that and shouting traitor and that in his Mm -hmm. face. And how this links to Boris is that Boris tweeted later saying that, like, the freedom of journalism, that should never be, um, you know, restricted or that by people trying to intimidate and that. And it's like, well, mate, a journalist wrote a story about one of your mates or you or something, and you and someone else were like plotting to beat them up. <laughs> it was like, okay, you weren't prime minister at the time, but 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 chill. Like, so, you, know, you can't say that when you were literally about to do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, getting back to the Watergate stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were talking about. So this is how kind of mental it got, and I think Gordon Liddy actually said there was even suggestions like, what about organized crime? You know, maybe oh, wow. they could do something about this, which is nuts. Like, let's, it's just like, well, maybe we could take them out. And they're like, no, 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 no. It's like, well, no, 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 no. What if we get a third party to take about? And then everyone's just round the table, like, hmm. So, Anderson was obviously, like, we were just saying, another anti Nixon guy. There was a few of these mounting up, mm-hmm. and Nixon was like, Okay, right. We've actually got to make like conscious efforts to now not have these people do this because it's going to yeah. not get me reelected. And we so their strategy was to let's find a way to discredit through illegal means the Democrat Party or anyone that's against me that makes me look bad. Yeah. Uh. So. Instead of them actually being a plot, even though they had discussed it apparently, because Gordon Liddy in the documentary comes across as quite um, a loose cannon, yeah. not like 
Well, especially if you say that he's maybe considered something and he's already walking out the door yeah. fully committed to it. Yeah, and a he bit was, like, you're, you're eccentric. That's what you are. Yeah, because like, he's in the documentary and he's talking in that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's got a, And he's talking about shooting up lights, right, for break-ins and stuff, because obviously he's got these skills as like part of the intelligence agencies and that. Yeah. He's had like this, I don't know what kind of pistol it was, Colt 45? Don't quote me on that. Two zigzags. But he has like a pistol and he's trying to explain how he like... Sh- Trying to get my hands right here. <laughs> we like, don't have guns he has, over here. He has, like the, the the gun in his hand. Well, in the documentary, mm-hmm. and he's explaining. He's obviously not shooting the gun. I don't think it's like a real gun. Or that. I think he's just using it for like illustration or whatnot. Yeah. Um. And he was talking about how he would climb on someone's shoulders and like shoot the lights out in someone's garden. So obviously they wouldn't get seen like sneaking like, in like the garden. Yeah. And yeah. So like this dude. And obviously, like, if someone just... Like, Tom Clancy, Splinter Cell, eat your heart out, mate. <laughs> yeah, like, I know, right? Come on. <laughs> so, but, um, like, he was obviously someone that you've got to think... Probably someone, like, Nixon wanted because in terms of they're quite ruthless. And obviously, oh, Nixon's endgame was just, let's get reelected, and, you know, all options are on the table kind of idea. Uh, and obviously, when someone's, like sarcastically saying well you know ah, what a pain in the side and stuff like that and Liddy's halfway out the door like right okay I'll be back in half an hour when it's all done everybody mm. uh, yeah and obviously there was more people involved in this which we'll come on to yeah. down the line so, so I've got I've got the, there's a bit on here which I wanted to kind of go back to it's a bit more to do with the, uh, the actual break in because um, in August oh, well sorry actually sorry it was not when I said that they were caught red-handed. It was not immediately clear that the burglars were connected to the president. Those suspicions were raised when detectives found copies of the re-election committee's White House phone number among the burglars' belongings. Yep. Um, and in August, Nixon gave a speech in which he swore that his White House staff was not involved in the break-in. Most voters believed him, and in November 1972, the president was re-elected in a landslide victory. Yeah, it was the biggest uh, margin of all time at that point. Mm-hmm. And then the article goes on to change its uh, subheading to Nixon's obstruction of justice, which I was, I've was i been excited. I want to read this bit. I'm like, ooh, I like this Okay, bit. so this must be cover, the, the cover-up. Essentially, Covering yeah. the cover-up, yeah. Yes. It, was, it, was, it was touching on a lot of points you were mentioning, and I was like... Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll I'll just wait. (laughs) Your time is now. The floor is yours. So it later came to light that Nixon was not being truthful. A few days after the break-in, for instance, he arranged to provide hundreds of thousands of dollars in hush money to the burglars, Mm -hmm. obviously members of his own staff. (laughs) So I don't know why it's just saying burglars. It's members of his staff. Yeah, because obviously they're going to jail for it, right? Yeah. (laughs) So when you're going to jail, especially in America, there's a thing called like a plea bargain, Mm -hmm. which is basically where you cut a deal. Yeah, and it is going to be like, well, you know, you're, you're still not, a bad man. You're not getting off scot free. Yeah, but you know, you're not going to go to jail for as long. Mm-hmm. In fact, you're going to go to jail for not that long at all. So Maybe why not just give it's us twenty five? Give us some of those names. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so we can only names because there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> yeah, uh, and well, there would have been the biggest fish, right? But um, wow. a shark, if you will. But uh, a great white. Uh, yeah. So um, then Nixon and his aides. Um, hatched a plan to instruct the, C- the CIA to impede the FBI's yep. investigation of the crime. This was a more serious crime than the break-in itself. It was an abuse of presidential power mm-hmm. and a deliberate obstruction of justice. Um, meanwhile, seven 
conspirators were indicated were indicted on charges related to the Watergate affair after the urging of Nixon's aides. Five pleaded guilty to avoid trial. The other two were convicted in January 1973. Because in the Watergate actual breaking, mm-hmm. there was Gordon Liddy, uh, and I think a few of the others were ex-Cuban CIA assets that had been involved. No, uh, not assets. Uh, well, I guess assets in a way. But uh, veterans of the Bay of Pigs. Uh, invasion that went right. absolutely horribly wrong back in the Kennedy administration of where they tried to overthrow Fidel Castro and then everyone yes. just kind of got detained and yeah but yeah. They, they they were um, involved in it as well he had took some of them on board you actually basically covered that whole Bay of Pigs thing beautifully by the way yeah you, yeah. Hit, you, hit, you hit every big name that was needed <laughs> so Castro <laughs> so, Kennedy that was it <laughs> detained um, so there's a bit in the documentary where they're talking about the actual breaking and them getting caught in the act. Mm-hmm. And there's like a radio conversation and they reenact this. It's Liddy and someone else. And it's like, team one to team two. It's like, you know, that old-fashioned American radio presenter yeah. kind of voice. It's funny how Gordon Liddy actually is a, well, was a radio <laughs> presenter. Because <laughs> he exactly he he has that doing. kind of voice for for it. And it's like, are all, are all our guys dressed in uh, nice suits? Because apparently they were all dressed in like suits and that. I don't know why that's a disguise or whatever. Um, no, it wouldn't be a disguise. It would just make it look appropriate that they were in that type of building, I suppose. Well, yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, why? And it's like, there's three guys in plain clothes coming up the stairs right now. And it just ends with Lydia going, we have a problem then. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we have a problem. Uh, but yeah, so he was going, like we said, Nixon was going to pay... Uh, no, he did pay them hush money. Yeah. Because obviously they're going to jail and it's like, well, Luke... Please do not cut a deal. We'll cut you a better deal just to go to jail. I, I think that they all got four years or something like that, which is not that long in the grand scheme of things for the crime that was committed. Plus, it's America, where like jail sentences are not lenient over there. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, because when you because you were also sorry, I'm gonna. This is a little bit off a topic. What you just said then, but it's going to when you were mentioning. Um, he kept on being hounded to hand over these tapes. Yes. Um, I've got a little bit more. Once again. From the, uh, the history webpage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the history channel. Uh, Nixon struggled to protect the tapes during the summer and the fall of 1973. Mm-hmm. His lawyers argued that the president's executive privilege allowed him to keep the tapes to himself. But Judge Sarissa, the Senate committee, and I, I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation of that, song, of that name, by yeah. the way. But We're I'm going to say, I'm gonna say Sarissa, or might, might be Sarika. Something like that. The Senate committee and an independent special prosecutor named Archibald Cox, who you were mentioning. Ah, this um, is the earlier. guy that Nixon ended up getting sacked. Yeah, so um, were, they were all determined to obtain all of these tapes. Yes, because I think he handed over nine to begin with. Yeah. And then the key one that they were wanting to listen to, 18 and a half minutes had been erased. And then I was telling you earlier, uh, before we actually started recording, Nixon's secretary had claimed that she'd accidentally... Because what happened was, Nixon... I do not... I, this is kind of beyond belief, this. Nixon had his own place bugged, which makes no sense. Like, he had a private taping system in the Oval Office. Because mm. apparently when they found this out, like, one of the Democrats, like, ran upstairs and was like, he bugged himself! Which <laughs> can go one of two ways. It means he's guilty or he's going to be innocent, right? There's kind of no in-between at that point because you're literally going to hear what he said. Yeah. Uh, but his secretary was saying that she had accidentally stood on a wire as she was on the phone. Mm. Um, 
And then they were like, okay, I try it. I think they got her to try it in the courtroom and it didn't work. But she's like, oh, my, my office is different or whatever. So like, right, okay, we'll adjourn this and go to the office. Let you do this in front of us to see if it's possible. And like, like the poor secretary, who's probably been like, like instructed to do this. Yeah. As many people were as we'll go through and all that. Like the the wire for the actual taping system was like way far away from her desk because she was like trying to like stretch <laughs> full body to like stand on it whilst answering the phone. I felt really bad for her, and it was on like the cover of a magazine and stuff like that mm-hmm. of like her just being outed as like that didn't happen because there's no way that you'd cast maybe. So obviously going back to Cox and the fact that Nixon basically pushed to get him fired. He went to the Attorney General to say, yeah, make sure he can't investigate me anymore and get him sacked. It's, it's because I'm on here. They, they refer to that event as the the Saturday Night Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Cox refused to stop demanding the tapes, Nixon ordered that he be fired, leading several Justice Department officials to resign in protest. These events, which took place on October 20th, 1973, are known as the Saturday Night Massacre. Eventually, Nixon agreed to surrender some, but not all of the tapes. <laughs> so yeah. Again, going back to what you were saying. Only some. He's like, I'll give you this much because these are the ones I've probably edited. Yeah. It is why it takes too long. Because he, <laughs> he considered erasing them and then was like, wait, that might make me look bad. But then again, he didn't take into account not handing them over probably makes me look bad. But mm. if I do hand them over, then I'm going to look bad. So there's no way that they end up looking good. In this scenario. Well, it, it states, uh, finally on August 5th, Nixon releases the tapes, which provided undeniable evidence of his cl- complicity in the Watergate crimes. In the face of almost certain impeachment by Congress, Nixon resigned in disgrace on August 8th and left office the following day. And then obviously, we, we, we've got a little bit for um, Gerald Ford later. Yeah. We'll he, save that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. so, just to kind of... Go back to what we were talking about when he wanted to threaten the CIA of like, you know, they're going to bring the Bay of Pigs up like again. Like that, that is crazy. Only, only the president, only the president will go to the CIA and be like, you, you will do this for yes, me. Simple. Otherwise I'm going to like destroy your life. Yeah, I'll <laughs> take your psychiatric <laughs> yeah, notes. I was going <laughs> to say that. You think your dental records are safe? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so he, the FBI were following, like, like you said, they came across the White House number on the, burg- uh, the, Breaking team or whatever you want to call yeah. them, Liddy and all the people that were doing that. Splinter Cell. Yes. So uh, they had went to, you know, track this number down where it was located. And it was someone from, I can't, I can't remember, is it Louisiana or something? But it was linked to some lady in America. But she had then went on holiday to the United Kingdom. I think she was currently in Birmingham. So the FBI were quite intrigued to question her because mm-hmm. that was a lead. And then the White House got tipped off about it. And then they actually found her first and flew her home and, like, were saying we're on the plane. Look, tell the truth, but our truth, okay? <laughs> you know? but, but our truth. But that's quite crazy in the sense of, like, not only were they <laughs> bugging, like, their rivals and that, they knew when all the intelligent agencies, like, these are meant to be top secret to classify, uh, classified, sorry, stuff. But I suppose... As the President of the United States, nothing is classified to you, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Because you get to know everything. So as soon as they knew, he knew, and then we'd have like some kind of plot to stop it. It's madness. Madness. President Nixon was just crazy. And it's it's mental though, right? Because I think there's a bit in the documentary where he says, well, 
if the president, you know, uh, says that it's legal, it's legal or something, and I'm like, that's that is bananas. Yeah, that's not how it works. That's not democracy. That's yeah. dictatorship. <laughs> that's like I'm gonna tell you to do something, and you have no choice. Yeah, it's like, well, I said it's okay, mm. so it's okay. And the, when I'm watching like the snippets of this interview that. Uh, a part of the documentary from him talking to David Frost and that. Yeah. It's like he still doesn't kind of recognize that he's done anything real bad. What this is it's this Nixon, Nixon himself, himself, yes. It's for some yeah, but I think for someone like him he, he can't really ad- admit to it yeah, to he a doesn't point, know, can yeah. he? Yeah. He'd be like if I do that then you know people I can't like be this image of I can lead. Yeah, that's you know, kind of like the repu- this pressure. It's kind of the Republican this. way, right? There's no humility. It's just mm-hmm. like macho Strong. Okay, I'm. I I I broke the rules, but it's okay to break the rules if you're on the right side, kind of thing. Well, you know? that's it. Yeah, the American way. Uh, <laughs> one point that I found quite interesting because I've actually read a book on this person was Nixon. What Howard Hughes, uh, his contributions to the Democrats exposed. So he wanted like them to like, oh look, the Democrat Party's bad because they're dealing with this millionaire. Howard Hughes was a millionaire recluse that was one of the first people to fly around the world, I believe. Or is this Howard Hunt? Howard Hughes. Oh, ha- sorry. Yes. Howard, <laughs> Hunt, Howard Hunt comes later, but Howard <laughs> Hughes, because uh, I, I read a book on him, Martin Scorsese did a film on him called The Aviator. Oh, Leonardo yes, DiCaprio. Yes, yes, That is yes. based off of the wonderful life of Howard Hughes, uh, which is the name of the book. I'm not saying that Hughes had a... I'm sure he did have a wonderful life with all that money, but um, he he was a guy that swindled the American government out of a lot of money during the Second World War for manufacturing of planes and stuff. And I think I read something crazy in the book that the Japanese had actually designed their Zero planes off of a model that he had made back in the 20s or something. But anyway, he got this funding in that from the government to produce and manufacture, um, I think it was called the Behemoth, and it was meant to be this massive, mahusive plane that could carry battalions of troops tanks, lorries, whatever needed to be going Everything. across the channel, that's what it could take. And he did actually manage to get it to take flight, but only three feet off the ground, which not really effective in the end. There was a big Hayden's behind it and everything, but he was, re- because he had such a massive empire, he was always kind of contributing to both political parties in America. Mm-hmm you know, to kind of get his own way and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? But he was also a massive recluse in the sense of, we already spoke about this, but he was really paranoid about germs. So, like, there would be periods of where he would voluntarily do what, you know, we did during lockdown, staying at home, and he would talk to people through the doors and that. He wouldn't allow people to come into his room and stuff. Because um, uh, there's a, in the film, have you seen the film, The Aviator? I have. It was a while ago I've seen it. Do but, you remember yeah. the scene where... Leonardo DiCaprio is in a room, there's all his notes and everything's dirty and his hair's all messed up and that because he's not leaving the room. And yeah. Alec Baldwin's on the other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of Alec Baldwin. <laughs> um, oh. Alec Baldwin's on the other side and he's, like, smoking a pipe. and that, Yeah, that's how that would kind of go. Like, he would mm. talk to people through doors and that when he was in this kind of mood. Right. But Nixon wanted that to be used against the Democrat Party, even though Hughes also contributed to the Republican Party as well. So that is, like... the next level of hypocrisy really in the sense of you know you mentioned that the, the massive plane yes is that the the h4 hercules yes the, the that is exactly goose? the one yeah sorry I'm right no I, I, i've just literally I, I found that part i was trying to read the part i was like what's the name of that plane <laughs> so yeah but yeah you were totally right it's um 
being the largest flying boat in history, history and having the longest wingspan of any aircraft from the time it was built until 2019. How crazy is that? It took that long to beat him in yep. wingspan. And only. the war was like over by eight years by the time yeah, we got it ready. Why were they still trying to do this? <laughs> uh, so Nixon uh, kind of makes a bit of history and becomes the first... In election year as well, right? So this was really good for his re-election campaign. In the 60s and 70s, you're talking about the heightened tensions of the Cold War. We've already talked about the Korean War, which involved uh, North Korea and China and South Korea and America. Yeah. You know, Soviet Union and America, where tensions were high. Communism, capitalism, again, we're all talking about that. Nixon becomes the first president of the United States to visit Beijing, mm-hmm. de-escalating Cold War tensions. Uh, and you know this is election year so when you're thinking of the threat of human extinction which is what the cold war was always kind of impeding because it was always about nuclear kind of warfare right because everyone had just all these superpowers had uh, realized the atom bomb and hydrogen bombs and all these destructive weapons and it was like the first time that even the wars always caused mass atrocity and human casualties and all that yeah. This would be on a grander scale where everyone would be affected in the blink of an eye. Uh, Nixon wanted political intelligence on his rivals. So, like like we were talking about before, he wanted to know what was up, what to be ahead of the game. Yeah. Kind of like knowing everyone's moving chess before they make it kind yeah, of scenario. Ahead, yeah. Uh, so, next page of my notes I've got. Nixon signs to con- kind of continue on with this Cold War type uh, theme that I'm going on about just now. Nixon signs the first arms limitation with the Soviet Union and addresses the Russian people on Russian national TV, which is pretty huge, right, in terms of America and Russia were not in a great place. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, just the Western world and Russia in general. And, you know, those tensions remain even to this day. But, like, at the time, like, the the... Closest it came to a head, right, was when the Russians were delivering nuclear missiles to Cuba, right? And obviously, yeah. Kennedy was in charge. It was very, uh, you know, the battle against communism and that. And he was saying, like, do not cross this line or you will be fired upon. And then the Russians turned back and that, and that de-escalated and all this other kind of stuff. But for an American president to go to Moscow, sit down with the Russian prime minister, president, I think they might have both over there, but whatever it is, the leader of Russia... yeah. And then address the Russian people on national TV. That's quite like a massive thing, especially for the time period. It's a very big thing, yeah, definitely. I mean, there must have been some form of mutual respect then. Yeah. To a certain, well, I suppose, back, well, I, I, I don't know too much about the politics and what everyone's relationships are like right now, mm. you know? I mean, it's not as if we're heavily involved in all their conversations and meet up, so we only get shown what we're allowed to be shown. Yeah. So you just don't know, do you? It's probably, it's probably messaging on Snapchat, like, meh, dick. <laughs> <laughs> Nixon's, the same night, so as Nixon's addressing the Russian people on TV, is when the breaking team break into the Watergate and all this, oh. like, they get caught red-handed and they arrest and what comes after it and that. So he, he was doing a live interview? He, he was addressing the Russian people on Russian national TV as the Watergate stuff was going down. Wow, okay. Nothing like being not at the scene of the crime, right? Well, exactly. It's I mean, I, I mean, we're not expecting Richard Nixon to actually be in the office. Like, what <laughs> have they got? <laughs> Where are these papers? <laughs> I know what I'm looking for. Get out of the way. 
so it was three plain clothes. We kind of already touched on this. Three plain clothes police officers catch breaking team and they act and the breaking team get detained. And that's because Forrest Gump made that call. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, if it. Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump had not made that call, we would have Richard Nixon would still be president today. No, <laughs> like um, Nixon's men found it hard to keep the links of Watergate breaking to the Nixon administration hard. Which, like you said, once they had got the phone number, I think the FBI had ended up tracking the money that had kind of been used in that to fund all this to a bank in Mexico. Right. Okay. And that's where they were going to find links to Nixon. And Nixon knew this, and that's why, hence why he was like to the CIA, Luke, you've you got to tell FBI the FBI because they're like literally your little brother. Calm down. Otherwise, they're going to bring up the Bay of Pigs stuff again. The CIA are like, Bay of Pigs? No, that's like our worst catastrophe ever. Don't do it. Please don't do it. We'll it's been 10 years. Why do we want to bring this stuff up again? Well, yeah, exactly. And then they did. They went and asked the FBI to cool off the investigation. I don't know if they asked them to close it, but like, yeah. Because I think the FBI thought they had stumbled onto a CIA op at one point. So like the CIA kind of harbored a bit of power and influence of them at that time because they're like, look, you know, don't look into this. And they're like, oh, well, maybe a CIA op. We don't have to. It's like that scene on uh, End of Watch. Yeah, where like where like the the two like beat cops roll up to I'm guessing some form of like DEA DEA agent and they're like yeah what's happening he's like yeah I'm gonna do you a favor I'm gonna give you a bit of information walk away cartel might be involved it's like walk away and it just kind of like you know gets them interested and they're yeah. like well and then obviously we all know how that ends <laughs> so, nothing to do with the president no no but the situation of uh, information. <laughs> So the cover-up begins at this point, right? Because Nixon's like, well, we, they cannot link this to me because if they do, then humped, you know? Yeah, uh, big trouble. All political espionage papers linked to the president were ordered to be shredded, which is like covering your own tracks at that point because they knew that they can't let them get any more links to this because it would just be game over, right? Once once the smoke had begun to smoke, the fire was coming, you know what I'm saying? Like well, Once yeah, the exactly. cat was out of the bag, as they say, Here's so one of um, Nixon's assistants. If you want to bring up a guy called John Mitchell, John Mitchell, I'll I'll read a little um, thing about his wife actually just now. So Martha Mitchell was John Mitchell's wife. Now she was someone that tended to kind of say more than what they wanted her to, right? And this is this begs belief to be honest. When I was watching this in the doc series. Martha Mitchell, John Mitchell's wife, was sedated to stop her from talking and her husband claimed that she was crazy. How mental is that? Like, they sedated her to be like, look, you can't reveal it. Like, yeah, plausible deniability. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that is. John, that's exactly John what Mitchell's that is. John Mitchell's like, oh, well, they've sedated my wife. Well, she's crazy anyway. You know, like... So, yeah, the little bit I've got for um, John Newton Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an American lawyer, the 67th Attorney General of the United States under President Richard Nixon, chairman of Nixon's 1968 and 1972 presidential campaigns, and I love how it's ended, and a convicted criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Prior to that, he had, been, um, he had been a municipal bond lawyer and one of Nixon's closest personal friends. I thought but you were about to say Bond villain there. No, no, no. I'm there. Put in what was John Mitchell's role in Watergate. So, due to multiple crimes he committed in the Watergate affair, Mitchell was sentenced to prison in 1977 and yes. served 19 months. As Attorney General, he was noted for 
personifying the law and order positions of the Nixon administration amid several high-profile anti-war demonstrations. So that's uh, that was so, his role. Yeah, he was one of the closest to Nixon. There was him, John Dean, who ends up testifying against Nixon as well later. We'll go into that in a bit. Mm-hmm. And that Bob Laudeman guy that you couldn't find when we brought him up. But anyway, um, so the breaking team were going to get hush money. We already kind of covered that. Yeah. Nixon was panicking. was like, right, these guys cannot talk because, you know, I've kind of given them the clearance and instruction and all that to do these I'm operations. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Whilst most of eastern United States of America was suffering floods, Nixon issued and ordered and threatened the CIA that the FBI investigation would bring the Bay of Pigs up again. We already talked about this. CIA went to ask the FBI to ask them to close the investigation. White House had tipped off about any leads the FBI got. We've already kind of talked about that lady that uh, the number had been linked back to in America and was on holiday uh, in Birmingham, of all places at the time. Yeah. And then they went and made sure she didn't speak. They said what she, they wanted her to say rather than what she would wow. have said. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nixon used campaign funds. So you know in America the political system is dependent on donations? Yeah. So you see like big celebrities... You know that there's that meme of Bernie Sanders and he's like, I'm once again asking for your uh, financial contributions. You ever seen that meme where he's in the cold? Or the, no. He's like in the cold with like a jacket and gloves and stuff. Mm. He's like, I'm once again asking for your financial support. So it's like people will say like when you ask to get a sandwich from the shop or something, yeah, I'm yeah. once again, uh, you know, there's a meme became of it. But like oh, in right, America, okay. the political system, the campaign is funded. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. let's just say... But it can be quite a privatized thing, right? Because, like, let's just say you're a big business owner and you prefer work handed over the other. You're going to give your money to a certain administration, which helps them have a better campaign because money, you know, you can buy better equipment, better marketing, all that kind of stuff. So he used campaign funds to buy silence, and that totaled $250,000. Back then, as well, quarter of a that million. Was, well, that, that's back then. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so the four-man breaking team took the money, the hush money, and took the fall basically for it at the time. And then 1972, as this was going on, Nixon was re-elected by the biggest margin in election history at the time. I don't know if it's been beaten since, but not like it's like some kind of contest. But <laughs> well, it's a yeah. contest, but not like you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I get you. Uh, so this is another interesting one. Howard Hunt, who had been on these operations and stuff like that as well, was one of the big minds behind the psychiatric uh, papers of Daniel Ellsberg operation. Oh, right. On the eve of the sentencing. So they've been charged. Um, I don't know if they played. I think they played guilty in that. Uh, he was there. He was one of the conspirators. Demanded a higher hush fee. So it was basically like, actually, no, I'm not happy that amount of money. Yeah, I want more. Give me more. And I think there's like... One of the most damning bits of evidence they got from the tapes was, uh, I don't know if you came across this, but there's a bit where I think it's John Dean and he's telling Nixon that Howard Hunt is wanting more money to keep quiet and Nixon's like, well, how much of a problem do you think these people are going to be? Or what do you think the cost's going to be? And John Dean says, well, I think these people are going to probably cost a million dollars over the next two years. And then Nixon says, well... You know, we could get that money. So I could get that in cash and stuff. I don't think that will be a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously like a million dollars to keep people quiet, which is like, you know, 1970, whatever it was. Yeah. A million, I mean, a million dollars is still a lot of money now, but like 
if you take if you look at money back then was higher but lord does that make sense like inflation is what they yeah, call it and stuff yeah, exactly, like exactly yeah 30 million today probably isn't what 30 million was in 1970 something you know what i'm saying no so a lot of money but be a lot yeah yeah uh and that's like one of the most damning tapes that mm. they've heard because nixon was like yeah a million million dollars in a problem to keep all these people quiet um nixon had a secret taping system in the oval office which, you know, we were already kind of touching on. Yeah, he bugged himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally, that's what happened. Apparently, one of the Democrat guys, like, rushed up, was panting in that to, like, one of the guys who was a prosecutor. was like, Nixon had his place bugged. And I, it kind of just seems like, if you're wanting to keep things off the record and stuff like that. Yeah, why are you bugging Why are you surveillancing yourself? I don't know. Was he into, like, trying to blackmail he was speaking to or something? Oh, possibly. Quite possibly. But then obviously recording the stuff that incriminates you and one of the biggest American... That was basically your idea of the biggest American political scandal of all time. Well, yeah. Probably exactly, yeah. don't want yeah, that to be yeah. on tape, especially when they start asking for tapes and know there's tapes. Yeah, we know there's tapes. <laughs> Give, Give us, us all the, the tapes. tapes. I'm only giving you nine tapes. Yeah, I watch all of them. <laughs> and then my secretary d- conveniently deletes 18 and a half minutes of like, <laughs> the one that you really want. Conversation. Um, so a guy called James McCord, who was one of the four men breaking team, becomes the first to expose the cover up. Yeah. And so he doesn't come out and say all in one go, oh, John Dean, Laudeman, John Mitchell, all these people are involved all the way up to the president. But he says, it wasn't just us four. There is more people involved in this than me, Lydia, and the Cubans and all that. Because it was not like 67 people were um, thingied in total, but only 40-odd of them yep. were mm-hmm. convicted. Because no, funnily enough, when we go back to Nixon's secretary saying that she had uh, accidentally deleted the tapes, apparently... If it wasn't her, it could have only been Nixon's right-hand man or Nixon himself that deleted it. But oh, no right. one was ever charged of deleting the erasing of the conversation and that. Yeah. But James McCord kind of told authorities and that, like he was willing to testify that there was more people involved. He didn't actually name names or anything at the time. Mm. But I think obviously there's probably people kind of rethinking their choices and that. They're in prison. Well, They're like, yeah, this definitely. sucks. I might have got money for it, but I I'm not going to see it. it. You know, American prison's pretty brutal. Uh, I'd imagine all prisons brutal, but like, mm. you know, I'm pretty sure if you go like, I mean, what happens to your bank account if you go to prison? Frozen? Or does the state take it? Well, that's what I mean. If you're going to accept hush money, you you can't accept that in cash, right? Oh, probably offshore though, right? I mean, they're willing to literally That's quite a good question to ask, though. The, the intelligence agencies to spy on their own people and stuff like that. They're probably willing to evade tax. You know? Well, <laughs> without, without a doubt, yeah. And especially when they're paying taxpayers' money. Well, when yeah. they're using taxpayers' money. Yeah, like money. campaign funds to like just be exactly. like, yes, don't ruin my campaign. Yes. To be fair, I suppose in Nixon's narcissistic mind, he'll say that that did get used for the campaign because if that information came out, probably would have affected well, the campaign yeah. pretty badly. yeah. Uh, John Dean, so this is another one of Nixon's uh, assistants, and these all seem to be lawyers. There's a common theme behind this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, with Gordon Liddy, he had some life in terms of being an FBI agent, a lawyer, and a radio host. Well, yeah, those are very three different career <laughs> paths. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how some of them relate. <laughs> so I'm a bit like, okay. But to be fair, with how off the chain he is, I'm not really surprised. He kind of just seems like a guy who wakes up like, oh, I'm going to be a radio presenter today. That's fine. Oh, I'm going to go back to the FBI. Oh, you know what? I'm going to be part of the biggest American breaking political scandal of all time. <laughs> I'm doing that. Um. John Dean didn't want to become Nixon's scapegoat, so they were trying, as more people were kind of being named and hinting and people realizing what was going on, yeah. John Dean became a massive person of interest in this scandal, and he kind of was aware that anytime uh, Nixon, as it got closer, the heat got closer to Nixon, he would be like, right, okay, how much money is it going to take for you to yeah. go to prison and keep me okay? Yeah. Uh, he didn't want to become the scapegoat, John Dean named everyone but Nixon to gain immunity. Uh, I think this was in front of because obviously now they're now that they knew that there was a bigger conspiracy than just the original couple people that had been caught in the act of, the actual act of yeah. raiding the Watergate, trying to find the information or whatever. There was a Senate committee uh, of the Watergate scandal, primarily. Democrat run because obviously it was their building that got broken into so makes sense yeah so John Dean was like look I ain't, I'm not going to take the fall for this I'll leave the president's name out of it but I'm not going to go to jail so I'm going to get immunity by telling them as much as I can without giving up the biggest fish uh John Mitchell became the new scapegoat after John Dean had kind of defected. <laughs> no, not defected, but, you know, kind of started telling the authorities and was like, oh, I fancy a bit of that immunity. <laughs> so <laughs> give me some of that. Give me some of that sweet, sweet immunity. <laughs> uh, so Nixon fires both assistants, but I think he actually asked them to resign. This is a common theme that's coming up. Yeah. So uh, John Dean and Laudeman, the guy that we can't find. Yeah. Uh, he asked both of them to resign and then announced that he had like, cleaned up the act. Because obviously all these people are now involved in the Watergate scandal because they're being named and stuff. And then Nixon addresses the nation, uh, announcing the resignation of his assistant, saying that he'd kind of cleared, uh, cleaned up his administration and that he'd, you know... It's kind of weird because like, even though it was like an announcement saying that he had cleaned up his administration, he goes into like, this like depth, even though they're like basically about to like kind of involve him in the whole scandal and that mm. he's like you know i've had the pleasure of working with these incredible integral men and all this kind of stuff and it's like they've literally you know literally just yeah. been done for breaking the law um john dean agrees to finally reveal nixon's involvement and then he ends up getting immunity from the senate watergate committee dean then testifies against nixon so the hearings when they found like they start getting actual kind of here not hearsay but like testimonies that nixon was not only involved, he had prior knowledge to all what the operations were going on, signed off on all of them, pretty much the kind of head behind the syndicate, if you will. Uh, John Dean did gain immunity. Uh, It seems like one of the worst things that may have happened to this Dean was that he was disbarred as a lawyer in Virginia Mm -hmm. um, and the District of Columbia. That seems to be, with his plea to the felony offensive, that was the only kind of thing. Yeah. That really happened to him. Well, he 
there was on the committee, right? It was mostly Democrats, but there was Republicans on there because it has to be like yeah. a, a fair thing, right? There's got to be from yeah. both sides, and uh, obviously the Democrats wanted to give him immunity because he had this testimony that take gives them the president and maybe get him impeached, resign, whatever, blah 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 blah. And the Republicans were like, I think it was unanimous in the end that they gave him immunity, which he never ended up getting immunity. <laughs> they said he got immunity, and then he ended up send, um, spending four months in prison, as you know, the post credit thing. Yes, yes, that's why it's, it was stating here, because um, it was reduced on January 8th, um, and that's when the judge, Sarissa, um, granted the motion of Justin Dean's sentence to time served, which wound up being four months. Which is light work considering the crimes of what actually were well, committed. Well, exactly, and I mean, well, yeah, j- exactly. I think people got more for stealing a bottle of water. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, so, oh, where was that? So these hearings were televised, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, it it became. <laughs> do you know what was funny about it they were t- they were showing like all this kind of media around it and it's i've always thought that we're in a more satirical age than ever of where we find good way to make everything comedy yeah. but i was having a look at some of the comedy stuff that was on the tv when these hearings were going on and there was like a there's a bit where guys on the stage and it's you know how like like the right wing always kind of try and say that the the left wing are trying to do this to destroy everyone's way of life and bring in like this new regime change or something like that. And it was like this joke, like uh, breaking news, uh, like uh, the the tyrannical left or something are are trying to overthrow the president by complete legal way, <laughs> by complete legal ways. And like, oh everyone gosh. would laugh at that because like it was referring to the investigation and stuff. Yeah, and then, uh, apparently like everything on the TV just. Nothing. It was just these hearings. Everyone was watching these hearings, right? Because it was massive news at the time, right? right like, exactly. especially for the country the size of America, to think that your, you know, your leaders basically one of the most, you know, the corruption spirals all the way to the top in this instance. It kind of well starts and ends with him. Yes, <laughs> his idea and you know his cover up. Everyone's getting sacrificed, but him. It was literally like, okay, you resign and go to prison. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't work out. Okay, you need to resign and you need to go to prison. Right. All y'all need to resign. Because to guess what? I ain't going to prison. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I have a friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, John Mitchell became the new scapegoat. <laughs> he was the one that was asked to resign next. Good old John Mitchell. Pr- you know, pretends to go to prison. Like, John Mitchell, man. Like, I know he was involved in everything like that, but his wife's been sedated know, <laughs> so that I she mean- won't talk. He was probably threatened the whole time. Well, <laughs> she, well, she ended up, like, talking. Like, as they said, she did talk. Mm. And he was, like, saying there's nothing for the White House to, like, uh, answer for. And then she would, like, say on another interview down the street, they're setting, like, my husband up to be the scapegoat. And then they're trying to hang him, I think was the words that she used. And they then quoted that back to him. And he was like, I don't think anyone's trying to hang me. I would like to know who they are. But obviously, like, he's just kind of being... Just a lamb to the slaughter, really, at this point. Like, Nixon's like, look, it's on you now. John Dean, he's testifying. He's he's went to the dark side of... Yeah, you're in of, trouble. You know, he's he's went, pointing he's, at you. Yeah, so you've got to be the new Jedi of going to prison and taking the fall for me. Yeah, like, you must go through your initiation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll give you all the monies. Yeah. All their money that they're not getting anymore because they're not keeping quiet yeah. goes to you now. 
yeah. until you talk, and then I'll give it to someone else. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, where we are now, uh, Nixon remains defiant. So even though there's like hearings and people are coming out against him now, and it's pretty common knowledge that everyone knows mm-hmm. that he's involved in some way. They probably don't know to the extent yet, but they know that he's he's. They don't know exactly where he's involved, but they know that he's involved in some way, shape, or form. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, so Nixon only considers destroying the tapes. They hadn't even requested them at this point. He was considering destroying them. Now, like, I don't know. Did we say this before coming on, or did I say this on the podcast? I think it was... I said it on the podcast. I was like, look, whether you erase them refuse to hand them over or do hand them over you're not looking good yeah regard either way because he wanted to like look good and save face that's not possible in this situation especially when they know you've got these bits of evidence because if you erase them it looks like you're hiding something you're not handing them over it looks like you're hiding something if you hand them over you're gonna get rumbled so well, yeah, like yeah. there's Who no way is? out here it's game over there's no third option because it's all loose so senate uh requests tapes nixon refuses to hand them over he was like, you know, this breaches my confidentiality as president and that, and we've all been frank in the Oval Office and stuff, and this yeah. be unfair on all the people I've spoken to. Basically, a bunch of rabble of, no, basically. Well, yeah, and basically. And it was a guy, like we were mentioning, um, Cox. Do we have his first name? Or are we just re- referring to him by second name basis? We're just going to use Cox for now until okay, I can find so his name again. He was like the chief prosecutor, right? Or chief investigator into this hearing? Archibald Cox. Archibald Cox. And he was the chief prosecutor? The Watergate he? Special Prosecutor. Yes, so Watergate Special Prosecutor had served a subpoena mm-hmm. on Richard Nixon, and this was for him to appear in court and obviously bring the tapes with him. I like how, you know, like just bring them a suitcase, and I'm like, oh, he go. Take him. <laughs> so. Damn it. Um, Nixon ordered to appear in court with nine specific tapes, so they wanted nine of them. So obviously, I would imagine they were probably piecing together who he would have spoke to, so what yeah. they would have wanted to hear in that. Nixon's running mate, so his vice president, um, I think is is it John? There's a lot of Johns. Is it John Agnew? Put Agnew in uh, with Nixon and see what his first name was. Oh no, I think it was Giro 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 Agnew. Agnew. Gosh. A G N E W. A G. Agnew, former vice president. So Spiro Agnew? Spiro. Spiro Agnew, former vice president of the United States. Spiro. Spiro Theodore Agnew. Okay. We'll go with Spiro. Could he. Re- well, Agnew. As it says Agnew. Here, the he, vice president. He resigned in 1973. Yeah. yeah. Funny enough. <laughs> Running mate for Richard Nixon and uh, vice president. He faced prison. Nixon, guess what's coming next? Nixon asked him to resign. <laughs> 1973. But Agnew would not go quietly. But even though he didn't go quietly, in the end, Agnew cuts a deal where he gets immunity and then he just resigns as vice president. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He doesn't go to prison. He pays a fine for tax evasion or something, I believe, and resigns as vice president. Lucky. Yeah, a lot of people are getting immune here. That is very, very lucky. Uh, during hearings, conflict broke out in the Middle East. I think it was the Arab states started an attack on Israel. So this is this whole proxy thing again, because the United States 
big ally of Israel mm-hmm. and Russia or the USSR, sorry at the time, were funding all the Arab states. Yeah. So it's that proxy thing again of capitalism. Commun- not that these nations believed in those they ideologies, but it, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. It was as soon as one of the major powers went to war with someone, the other major power would then start backing the people they were fighting. The opposing basically. side, yes. yeah. So this is coming at like the worst possible time for Nixon, right? Because like if you think in the election year when he went to China, when he signed the arms limitation with the USSR, that's good like publicity, that's good foreign yeah. policy for his re-election and it showed because he got re-elected by an absolute mile, right? Well, exactly. Where he's now, he's facing all this corruption stuff and now like there's tensions again with the United States and the USSR because they're having these, well, they're not having the conflicts, but they're on different sides in the conflicts in the Middle East that are happening at this period of time. So then Nixon, because <laughs> he asked a lot of things Richard Nixon does, uh, or did. Nixon asks the Attorney General to ban Archibald Cox from serving any more subpoenas on him mm-hmm. and to sack him. And that goes on to what you were talking about with the Saturday night massacre. Yeah, because... I'm taking that this was a Saturday night and lots of people got sacked and resigned and stuff like that. It, I think so. I think that's when the vast majority of stuff started kicking off. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You resign, you yeah. resign, you resign. It's like just pulling names out of hat. So Nixon agrees to finally hand over the nine tapes. Nixon persists with trying to get Cox sacked. Cox eventually gets sacked, which we were just talking about. This leads to massive outrage because it would, right? Because it's obvious what he's tried to do here. The person that's literally onto his, you know, coattails in terms of, you know, you're going, in the words of Al Pacino from Heat, you are going down. You're going down. (laughs) You know, like, um, so he's obviously on the brink of busting the case wide open yeah. in, you know, classic detective TV show lingo. <laughs> we got you. Do you ever see that like uh, bit where Jim Carrey's on uh, David Letterman and he does that perfect impression of the guy from, like, CSI Miami or something? No. Where like, the guy keeps taking his glass off. It's like, it looks like we've got her, man. And then he like, puts <laughs> them back on. <laughs> I'll have to show you after the podcast. Is that Horatio Kane? Yes, I yeah. think it is, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to show you right after we stop this. I'm going to show you the Jim Carrey thing. But anyway, back to serious talk. Yeah, that's it. Um, History hour. So the calls for Nixon to be impeached and to resign intensify because yeah. obviously the corruption is becoming really, really obvious now of the fact that the guy that's on the brink of bringing him to justice, if you will, has just got the boot and he's had a massive part to play in that guy getting the boot. Yeah. In terms of, you know, this is what amazes me all the time with it. Cause this stuff still happens to this day when people investigate someone and the person they investigate gets them fired. Do you know what I mean? That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? How are you supposed to investigate anyone for anything? Well, exactly. In a position yeah. of power when that can happen, you know? I think it might, there might be fine lines between doing that and like harassment and yeah. breach of, privacy or well, yeah it'd be a breach of privacy wouldn't it and it would depend on if they had actual any evidence or suspicions to go on in the first first place because most most things when when i think about it and that like if law enforcement's involved a lot of it starts with a suspicion if there's like if they if they're sus- suspicious of you with like 
doing something of ill manner, then they've got kind of relative grounds to start watching you, haven't they? Yeah. So it could be something like that. So uh, we've already went over the secretary stuff. Here's an interesting thing that I noted down, right? This isn't, it's to do with the Nixon thing, but it's also just, because I think there's only been two official impeachments of a president ever. And Nixon's not one of them, even though he got close to. Mm. I think Clinton and Trump are the only two that have ever been impeached. Impeached. Clinton for the assistant yeah. stuff, uh, and Trump, which it wasn't even for the cap. They did try and impeach him again for the capital building uh, escalation or whatever you want to call that. Fiasco. Uh, but he got impeached for I think they were accusing him of getting Ukraine to spy on Joe Biden. Oh, right. Who was okay. obviously the person that he ended up going up against in the 2020 election. But I think he got found not guilty because it, it goes through... Well, come Actually, I'll come to this now. It's a little bit further down the line, but it relates to this. So the Nixon got impeached. Uh, no, he didn't get impeached, sorry. But there was a, a hearing to see... Impeachment is a very complex thing. It has like three stages. I so, don't know anything about impeachment, so I'm curious about this. So... They went round uh, a bunch of Republicans and Democrats, right? Um, so there's a total of 38 of them here from the final score. <laughs> final score, let's say, like it's a sports event. That's it. And uh, if you don't want to hear the impeachment results, look away now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Nixon, Nixon impeachment first stage results, I should say, mm-hmm. was 27 eyes and 11 no's. So this means it was progressing. Obviously, we've already said he resigns in that, so it kind of avoids all this in the end. Uh, he gets... Uh, so this goes then to the Congress, mm. which, I, like we mentioned, there's like... American politics, there's like two parliaments. I don't know if you said this before we came on or when we were actually on, but you were talking about how this changed. The Watergate scandal yeah. essentially took most of the power well it seems like it kind of caused congress to take power back from yeah. the presidency and to make it so it has to get agreement so it's it basically makes it a vote and it has to get passed and if it doesn't get passed then the president can't do anything yes essentially the president needs permission <laughs> so. you've got the congress and the senate which are basically mm-hmm. two houses of parliament right yeah uh congress is the capitol building i think and then the senate's there's a, i think it's called the senate building but i could be wrong um we're not, we're not, we're not from that. Yeah, the, the, the Congress is the one, the building that got ran up on by all the guys with the MAGA hats and the horns and all that. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's the one. Uh, so, there's usually, they're separated, right? One's Democrat, one's Republican, because they, yeah. I mean, you can win both. I think Biden came pretty close to winning both of them this time around. I think he just, because um, didn't like, was there not like some kind of, controversy the supreme court which is in the senate yeah uh trump then selected the successor of the supreme court person that passed away and he picked someone like that like he was a fan of and everyone was up in arms saying it should have been done after the election because he was just leaving well he wasn't just leaving office but he was just about to be in an election so he might not be there and it would be a conflict of interest so i think Beforehand, it was Democrats run the Congress and Republicans run the Senate because when Trump got impeached the first time, which was like 
late 2019, I believe it was. It it's crazy to see the difference in like um, atmospheres yeah. in the different political situations from America to here. So like the announcement of him getting a peach is like what's the what's the lady's name again? It's uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Congress, and yeah, that. Yeah. Um, reads out so it's like the eyes to the left, blah 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 blah. The the president is moving on to the next stage of impeachment, right? And it's total silence. And it's, like, split in the middle because the Republicans there as well, right? Yeah. But I was like, can you imagine if stuff like that happened in the House of Commons? Like, people just say, he was five minutes late today, and they're like, oh, Do you know what I mean, though? Like, it literally is that, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah. But, like, this massive news, mm. like, Trump might be getting impeached and booted out of office and everything, and they're just, everyone's going to be, like, <laughs> everyone's polite and stuff like that. But it's, but it's like, this person hasn't been a good prime minister for the last 10 days. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway. It's like, it's like, oh, yeah. It's just too yeah. soft over there. <laughs> yeah. It is good. It is good entertainment from our side, but it does well, make us look a less civilized kind of place. Well, definitely. Yeah. We like to grumble and yeah. voice it. Yeah, here, here. That, that's what they're saying, right? I always, I always wonder what the hell are they saying, but they're saying that such upper class up their nose. Here, It sounds like someone eating a bag of walkers, filling them up. Oh no! Oh dear! Anyway, we're serious. We are. We are. There's no time for laughing this time. We did that one the other day. Uh. So I should get back to my original point. Mm. The stage of impeachment. So it went through this first stage and it got passed. Then it has to go through the Congress. Yeah. Then it has to go through the Senate. Right. Right. But the problem now, I don't know if it was the same back then, is that, well, for Trump, for example, it got through this and then it got through the Congress, but the Congress was majority Democrat controlled and the Senate was mostly Republican controlled. So he was never going to get convicted because the Republicans were never going to turn against him. Well, exactly. Unless it was something... They were pretty extreme, much extreme Trump like this, weren't they? and then they went to impeach Trump again. Which you were thinking, okay, maybe because isn't it? What I think the rule is: if you get the process of impeachment goes through twice, you can never run for office ever again. And I think that's oh, wow. what they were trying to do with Trump after the Capitol building stuff, mm-hmm. so that he couldn't run again in twenty twenty four. But yeah. I don't think that came to anything. So, so we could be seeing him again. We could be seeing him again. Yes, and the scary thing is as well. Even though he lost by a landslide in the end, and Biden got the most votes of any president in history in that, more people voted for Trump this time around than what they did originally in the 2016 one. Wow. I, I did not know that. Yeah, I find That's that quite crazy. crazy. That is crazy. And obviously, like, the, it was quite a unique election just because I think... Um, the thing about, like, elections and stuff is because so many people get politically fatigued because it is like a pantomime half the time not a lot of people turn up it's like you see the percentages even for like here it's like 60 percent you know 62 percent 50 percent even sometimes so not a lot of people are turning up to actually vote you know what i mean some people just like it's all the same anyway and sometimes i'm of that kind of mind but oh yeah like in america it was like all the stuff that had happened that year from covid to protests riots whatever uh they come under his response to that um, you know the bleach thing, 
But he was like, you know, we're thinking of doing that. Are we? Are we? Yeah. Okay. Never drinking bleach. Like, <laughs> I I've got to say, I love those kind of debates though. Where like, just off his head, like they're talking about the bleach things. Like you know, that was said sarcastically. Yeah. Is <laughs> like, like looking at him? Like, no. You no. Meant that. Well, to every fair, word of it. I don't know. Like, Trump's a weird one, right? Because it's like everyone knows he's off his head, but like I, I struggle to see it as like real sometimes. Like especially when he says stuff mm. like. Uh, someone had criticized him for speaking to Putin or something like that, right? And he was like, they wanted me to have a boxing match. <laughs> I was like, he's dancing to YMCA and that, and I'm like, this isn't real, is it? Anyway, right, anyway. That's so, just Trump, though. He's Yeah, he is eccentric as well. So Nixon, Nixon would have got impeached had he not resigned. Yeah. Because even the... Uh, where are we at now? I'm trying to figure out... Aha! So... Uh, impeachment can only happen if a president commits high crimes or misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. So, high crime would be this corruption. Mm-hmm. Misdemeanor, I don't know, probably spying on Biden maybe comes under... No, well, no, uh, Clinton, you know, having affairs with his assistant in the yeah. Oval Office is a misdemeanor, right? But yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, And then the Capitol building probably be a higher crime again, right? Because... People, people died in that. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. A couple of people died in that. So, you know, that's... I know it's ridiculous and it was crazy and everything, but, you know, it had serious consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, right, so where am I at now? Sorry, I keep losing myself in my notes. We're too busy talking about ridiculous stuff. <laughs> Trump. So, transcripts of the tapes were eventually released. Yeah. So this was... The conversations in document format, and Republicans try to rationalize the tapes in saying, you know, well, and then it's taken out of context now because they're still backing their guy at well, this point. They still want to, yeah. yeah. But then the stuff about the million dollars that finally got put in the transcript, that got heard in the hearings, and that, and wow. apparently everyone from like, so like from the left was like Democrats to the right, there was the like Republicans and they're on this kind of I think they still do it today there's like a big kind of like a bar area not a bar but you know like a you know like in a courtroom there's like those higher up things where like a yeah, judge yeah. sits but it's like a long one of them and they're all sitting next to each other and apparently from like left to right and as you went further right like people were kind of getting red in the face because like they were hearing like this they couldn't rationalize this like yeah, the dude yeah. was literally like Stealing saying we'll millions. get like a million dollars to pay all these people off um. So, Nixon then refuses to hand over more tapes because he's seen these transcripts and like, oh, well, they didn't react well to that. So, what are they going to do when they <laughs> get all the other? Uh, I'm trying to find this. Where is this? Oh, maybe on this side. Ah, here we go. Sorry. Uh, so Nixon loses like the support and popularity if Nixon just goes. Whew, yeah. Just nose dives. Realizes it was already in a kind of a bad place already with the mass outrage, but even the conservative vote had gone now. So they're talking about Southern Alabama, which is hardcore Republican. Republican, yeah. We're not even back in this hard, anymore. Yeah. Apparently, he uh, they were trying to get rid of the gov- uh, not get rid of him. They were trying to get hold of the governor, sorry, uh, of that state, who had given Nixon votes before, and he eventually picked up. And he was like, well, this is the first I've heard about this. And Nixon, quite frankly, asked him, have I still got your support? And even one of the guys that was trying to rationalize tapes on the TV 
ended up having to come out and do uh, an address after hearing the million dollars tape and saying I, I, I have to support impeachment now. Um, and the basically the uh, oh, it's the Southern Alabama Alabama yeah uh, governor uh, Nixon asked him on the phone, "Do I still have you? As in, do I still have your support?" And he was like, "No, Richard, you don't." And apparently, he just put the phone down and turned to his assistant and was like, "I've just lost the presidency of the United States," um, which you know is basically what's just about to come there and he'd also been advised that out of a hundred senators he had four still on side wow so yeah it was he had an a1 the road had ended it was the end of the road for richard nixon so there's a f- picture they invited a he let his family know on the uh 7th of august there they let the White House photographer into the Oval Office and he's telling his family he's going to resign. Yeah. And then August 8th, that's when he actually resigns and does like, he leaves like the next noon or whatever. He does this uh, massive address again and talking about integrity and like all this kind of stuff. It's like, why are you talking about this? You've literally had to resign because of corruption. But anyway. Yeah, because the Secretary of State, Henry Kessinger, initialed the um, the letter of resignation at 11.35 a.m. on August 9th. Because mm-hmm. he did like a big kind of, uh, just move this away from myself, did like a big speech about it and stuff and like, you know, don't let anyone bring you down and come back from... from like, does this... This dude has literally like... Like, even though he's kind of accept that he's resigning, he doesn't accept that he's broke the law or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, I mean, I think the, the way he kind of, like, words it, I mean, because the, there's something here. It's, like, to do with all the evidence and obviously with you, what you just said, he's just lost the support of, of a, well, of everything. Yeah. Um, it's, therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president at that hour in this office. Yeah. And obviously, that's like a, as we're we're gonna go into that kind of also sounds pre-planned. You think Gerald Forrest is sitting there like I didn't ask to resign and go to prison? Oh my yeah, goodness! I'll help you. <laughs> I will help you. And here's the kind of controversial thing, right? Because Nixon has done everything within his power to sacrifice anyone but himself. Yeah. To stop facing the consequences of something that he was like one of the masterminds behind. Mm-hmm. And authorized and gave power to people to do stuff and that. Gerald Ford, was it a couple days after, or a couple weeks after gaining presidency, pardons Richard Nixon of everything? Yeah, so for Nixon, one immediate problem was solved by his successor, President Gerald R. Ford, a month after the former announced his resignation, the latter told the nation he would pardon Nixon for all offences against the United States, which he, Richard Nixon, has committed or may have committed or taking part in during the period from July 20, 1969 through August 9, 1974. Ford misspoke. The actual pardon was for Nixon's entire presidency. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so it was January 20th, 1969 to... August 9th, That is so crazy that he, like, the president holds that power just to pardon people. But he said he did so, um, he did so, Ford said, to spare the country more and prolonged discourse from Watergate because Nixon wouldn't be able to get a fair trial 
and because Richard Nixon and his loved ones have suffered enough. That was Ford's own words. Yeah, because that was like a big thing. Um, I'm only bringing him up because he was like the last president to leave office, but uh, a lot of people wanted Trump to like uh, pardon Joe Exotic and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's crazy that they, they, that can they, just get yeah, pardoned. Because not only it was it just happen. for the Watergate stuff, which is bad enough, mm-hmm. and stuff that may have not came out about that, his entire presidency, well, yeah, exactly. which probably suggests that there was other foul play stuff on the go as well. Without a doubt, because it, it goes on to state that many reacted critically. President Ford has affronted the Constitution and the American system justice. It is profoundly unwise, divis- diversive, and unjust and an unjust act, said the New York Times. It is an act of flagrant favoritism. It can only outrage and dishearten millions of his fellow citizens who thought that at at last the laws of this nation would be enforced without fear or favour. That's quite... That's a bit of a tongue-tie one, because they're quite powerful words, really. (laughs) So you can can see how, like, people were feeling about it all. Um, Like, people were enraged, you know, that... President Ford had done this. Like they're like, you, you can't just come in and help him. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like how come he gets away like scot free? Like, ooh. so yeah, the people were obviously were not happy about that. Um, and then it goes on to state Nixon had selected Ford as his vice president in the middle of the Watergate scandal after Spiru Agnew resigned in December 1973. Some suspected Nixon had extracted a promise of a pardon in exchange for the post. Which, fun enough, we literally just mentioned beforehand saying think something might have been pre-planned with them too yeah so yeah there's um there's there's a lot there's a there's, i can't believe how much is you know implemented or who's been implemented and it, there's there's and too many in the end he kind of got what he wanted well he did he didn't face any like maybe the humiliation of resigning in that yeah but that's more of an ego thing rather than something that actually affects your life like richard nixon then went on to live another 20 years is like free well it means with legal jeopardy no longer an issue the former president set out to rehabilitate himself and his reputation to become a a new nixon but the thing is when he talks in like the documentary i watched in that i mean like you should give it a watch if you ever got any free time in Mm. that but he just it doesn't sound like he's learned anything from it and i just i don't think people like him do though no yeah we've said before a lot of it's theater yeah, a lot of it a lot is, of his narcissism as well. Well, right? yeah, exactly. You got like, can you imagine having like the audacity to just say to someone, "Look, can you resign and go to prison for me <laughs> for oh stuff God. that I've done?" Like, um, so yeah, in nineteen seventy-seven, series of televised interviews with journalist David Frost, which yeah. you mentioned, and That's the nineteen seventy-eight publication of the RN, the memoirs of Richard Nixon, gave him an opportunity to tell his side of the Watergate story, and injected badly needed cash into his bank account which you can imagine he is desperately going to be needing um by 1980 he was living in new york city in the new york city area and accepting the many opportunities to give his opinion on foreign affairs for for all the domestic turmoil his presidency had endangered nixon was still the man who had opened china negotiated arms control treaties with the soviet union and brought to an end no matter how painful the vietnam war um, six more books followed when Nixon finally passed away in 1994. His funeral was attended. Sorry, I read that as if it was all one sentence. So it was just six more books followed. Uh, so oh, right, okay. After he obviously done his, his TV series, he, he yeah. went on to do six more books. Um, so when Nixon finally passed away in 1994, his funeral was attended by every living president, 
May the day of judging President Nixon on anything less than his entire life and career come to a close, said President Bill Clinton that day. But Watergate still resonates at the most memorable and significant aspect of Nixon's career, which, to be fair... It's, you type in Nixon, one of the first things that comes up is Watergate. So well, yeah. He's not wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, this, so. this, I mean, we're coming to the end of the podcast now, so just to kind of sum this up, this was, like, when I was watching it, like, there was at points where I actually couldn't believe what I was hearing mm. at, like, the levels and the, the depths and how high this went up. Yeah. And, and the desperation almost just to, like, save one person. Like, okay, they're the President of the United States, but they had... I mean, they had authorized all this kind of stuff, and do you know what I mean? Like, it was it begs belief to be honest. It's one of those moments where it's scary to think on how much control the president actually had, exactly, because at yeah. the end of the day, it was. I hate to. I'm not saying he was like him, but you, you, we all remember a real bad dude who had an issue with giving anyone else power other than himself mm. was a little guy called Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's unfortunately it is very like dictatorship as it, it, it is like it spe- is. especially when he talks to david frost because this is what i'm saying like it's one nurse- man making the choice of a whole country yeah like and him saying the president saying it's okay makes it okay well no it doesn't no definitely not that's just someone that's drunk on power or is a clear that's what we used to be like with the church yeah and look how well it's that planned l- out you know, clear, clear <laughs> narcissism isn't it so what a crazy one that was an enjoyable one. one to talk about though my friend it was very very enjoyable yeah i just I enjoy the fact that it is this one's a definite crime crime drama style. Yeah, one, there is know? there is kind of the interesting one about this. There's no kind of open door thought provoking question. There's quite a final end to this of yeah, mm. like this dude was very well very corrupt <laughs> and was willing to pretty much do most things to not get caught or not have himself out of power, which ended yeah, up costing him his position. job, but ended up okay in the end for him because he didn't. We still got asked to basically speak out on all foreign affairs. Yeah. So, you, I mean, he may have been a bit of a bad guy, but as soon as Ford got into play, he sorted any kind of legal jeopardies, didn't he? So Suppose some things don't change, right? He still had friends in high places, even if he wasn't the one making the sh- calling the shots anymore, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly. Right, well, I mean... An hour and 40 minutes, it goes by it exceptionally does. quick now, doesn't it? I'm noticing on my gluteus maximus, I've got a bit of a dead bum cheek. I'm okay. Like, oh. <laughs> Oof, me. But yeah, um, I suppose take care from the NEC, guys. Until the next time. This podcast is also available on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify.